Hey everybody, this is, are we, are we at episode six? Is this the sixth time we've done this? I, th- I think it is, yeah. Guys, I think I'm too we're... drunk to remember. That's fair. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just gonna say it. I think we're doing better than last year. <laughs> Lance, it's the middle of the day. How are you too drunk? Don't judge me. I work with kids. <laughs> Alright, that's fair. That's fair. But still. I think we're do- I think we've officially done better than last year already. Uh, oh yeah. I'm I'm impressed at us. Alright. Congration, we done it. <laughs> yeah, we've officially had more episodes this year than last year. Yay. Um anyway. So we're just gonna go through the questions in our channel. We don't have a flashy guest this time is just us boys. <laughs> we are all Tis only us. That's nice though. Nice to Lance wasn't I here. I can be flashy was... if you want. <laughs> Lance wasn't here when Star was here, which was sad. Yeah, I had adulting things to do, unfortunately. Ew, gross. <laughs> yeah. So but hey, now we now now we can we can we can do this now. So, uh, I'll go as always through our pins. Um, I'm gonna mix them up for fun. So, oh the, joy! The first one I want to ask is, uh, how do you name things without the from Midnight Blue? How do you name things without defaulting to Chuck Word into Google Translate and switch languages until you get something that sounds cool? Ooh boy, naming things. Alrighty. Well, honestly, um. Just do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do that quite a bit. Um, as for, like... It, I, it depends on what you're naming, I guess. Because um, yeah, you can it, come... It depends up... on how important what your naming is, too. That, too. Because, um, like, okay. Naming... Fucking... Let's just say areas, for example. Naming, naming an area. Um... When you're naming an area, you want to think about like what's in that area, like what defines it, um, what it looks like, you know, what lives there, what can be found there, stuff like that. Um, and honestly, you can come up with some pretty kick-ass, just regular English or common here air quotes here common names for them. Like um, I'm just going to pull an example from one of my worlds, uh, Arcverse. There is a break in a, a very wide uh, break in one of the galactic arms. It's like a it's a region of of less dense star distribution, and I call it the fade. Or there's uh, a nebula near there actually that is um, it's a it's a star forming region. And it's a bright red cloud with a lot of different protostars in it, and all of those young stars produce a lot of flares and explosions. So it's called the pulse because every time a uh, a star flares, there's this bright flash from inside a big red cloud, and the the cloud itself uh, contracts into these protostars, so it gets pulled inward, and then with every explosion, it gets pushed out, so it looks like a heartbeat. So, hence the pulse. So you can come up with some pretty kick-ass, just regular, regular names. Um, but also, you want to think about like 
um, what that might translate to in the local languages, whether that's your conlang or if you're just taking taking a language from our real world. You know, if your your area is inspired by, say, you know, Greek culture, then you can pull Greek words or Greek sounding words and give them translations, stuff like that. Yeah. Mine is much less complicated than that. I just think about what kind of pain I am in and the sound that comes from my mouth, and then I usually add an RA or an S <laughs> at the end of that. Dreharg! Yeah, pretty much. That, or I'll sit there and I'll stare at random things I have around the house. And I'll like combine certain words and then mix it around. Like I'll have a better homes and gardens thing and like a package. <laughs> and so I'll just take the UPS from the package and the MES from the the better homes and gardens and kind of mix those. And there you go, you have a planet. Oops, miss. Oops, miss. Remix <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, honestly, that's valid though. Like, just taking cool phonemes and and like syllables and smashing them together until you get something you like. I do that all the time with like, um, like with conlang stuff when I'm naming alien star systems or something. Um, some of these conlangs don't really have a basis in any real language, like um, Elashi, the language of the Shiksore of Delvasi. Um, they, I'm working on building their conlang, but part of it is just taking these, I have a general feel, like a phonetic feel of how I want this language to sound. Um, and just like taking a bunch of those phonetics, just random syllables in that style and smashing them all together in different ways. So you end up with places like, uh, Elika and, uh, Hylar Star and stuff like that. Yeah. Actually, I kind of mangled that. It would be, technically speaking, it would be Sailor Star. There's a bit of a growl to it. <laughs> Bless so, you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually do want to ask Lance a specific question, though. Because there's one name uh -oh. that's always kind of like, not bugged me? That sounds negative. Like, what's the neutral version of bugged me? Like, to spin into the brain. You've, been, in the you've been curious about it. Yeah, yeah. Like, why was Avalon an ice planet? That, yeah, I was gonna, that's, that's a good question. I've wondered that too. Like, Avalon because, in myth is like the island of paradise. Right, so I've always wondered why it's been frozen over, and if there... If there's, like, know. lore to it, if, or if, if that was just a, a random choice. Uh, actually, no, there is lore to it. Oh, is it, it spoiler lore? The last time, it is spoiler lore, I will tell you that it will not be the last time that the group goes to Avalon. Oh, oh, okay. All right, then. Uh, listeners of 20-Sided Adventures, take note. We are going back to Avalon at some point. That'll be cool. <laughs> Sorry, Kaz, DB, and Avon. I know you hate that planet, but you're going <laughs> Ice worms for life. You know, I was, I was literally having this conversation in another Discord server a while ago. Not like a while ago, like a, maybe earlier today. Um, and we were talking about how, you know, every time you go to, like, this barren planet in any sci-fi franchise, your immediate reaction as the audience is, show us the fucking worms. Give us the giant worms, goddammit. 
Hey, yep. There's um, actually some uh, lore that has to do with the ice worms as well. Oh boy. Oh man, you really thought this out, huh? <laughs> oh yeah, I got like two more seasons in my mind. Oh boy. Oh, this will be great. Um, but as for, I know we've sort of leaned sci-fi in this naming question, but like for, um, for more traditional fantasy names, like you can, you can apply the same principles, like um, for, for fucking dwarven citadels and, um, you know, mountain ranges and for, you know, you can have the whispering woods or the, the, the spines mountain range or the fucking Argonthars, the Dwarven Citadel. <laughs> um, so the, the same naming techniques apply. You just have to match it to the feel of your world, you know? Yep, yep, yep. And Lance, were you going to say something? Yeah, my phone just had a seizure. <laughs> Fair. Uh, what I was going to say is your names don't have to be like, they don't have to be fantasy sounding to be a fantasy world either. True. Like I have an island this that is, is very called Frost Island very because point. it's cold. So, yeah. You, you know. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you really want to go like realistic about it, like think about real place names. They make often either very literal sense or no sense at all. Like, there are so many towns and named after people or I mean in America and like excuse me uh, sorry uh, in America like the United States there are a lot of like regions that are named after the Native American tribes or Native American phrases that were used to describe the area or used to live there which is a this depressing reminder of imperialism, but let's not touch on that because I could go on about that for two hours. Um, but like, if you think about fucking suburb names, like upper, even upper class suburbs, especially like fucking Whispering Meadows or you know Springfield. Spring, there's like a, there's a Springfield in every goddamn state in this country. It's true. Um, yeah. And it's just you know they found a spring in a field. They called it Springfield. If that yeah. they found a field full of springs, which would just be kind of unsettling. I mean, you can and, get really creative. And, we have two towns in our uh, state called Curtain and Drain, so you know. Good. And hey, bravo! No matter what you do, you will always have a better name than fucking Greenland. Greenland and Iceland were named that way on purpose. I hope you know that. I'm well aware. I'm well aware it was on purpose. Still funny. Hmm, this land is covered in ice and this land is green, so we're going to call them Greenland and Iceland, but not in that order. But not the right way, because that because otherwise people will know which one to show up at. We don't feel exactly. Um, but like, if you take okay, one of my favorite, one of my favorite names, one of my favorite like literal names is Broken Hill in Australia. There's a town called Broken Hill. It was a mining town. They had a hill. They broke it. It's very literal, and I love that. That's fantastic. It's That's awesome. <laughs> it's, it, sound, it sounds ominous as hell, but the reason for it's so like, oh. They had a hill, and they broke it. Broken hill. Huh. Like, it sounds, like, interesting. Like, ooh, that sounds kind of vaguely ominous. I, I wonder what's that? Oh. 
Nothing will ever compare, however, to the town in, I believe, New South Wales or Victoria, one of the two, called Tittybong. I am not making this shit up. Please look it up. Tittybong, it's spelled exactly how you think it's spelled. <laughs> this is a real place in Australia. You, uh, hey, get, hey, hey, Midnight, no matter what you name anything, you could have named it Tittybong. <laughs> you could have named it Tittybong. Or um, Wagga Wagga. I believe one of my dad's friends has a degree from the University of Wagga Wagga. <laughs> that sounds like something out of a Muppet. Right? Yeah, we have a boring uh, Oregon. Boring. Yeah, all right. Disappointment Ridge. <sighs> Hell, Michigan, where it's all illegal right, well, to be the, straight. What's the next question? Yeah, yeah, I think we could go on for way too long about names. <laughs> I mean, you want to? Anyway. Um... Hey guys, I just realized I said titty bong at exactly 4.20pm local. Nice. Nice. That is very nice. That's, that's okay. hard right Okay, next there. question please. Um... How do you make a custom encounter in a custom world and don't completely overwhelm? So a custom creature in a custom world. Basically, how, what do you do to give the players some sense of familiarity in a world of your own design? You don't. I was literally about to say, be evil, you don't. <laughs> um. Okay, I actually, uh, I just did this. The group went to a, a new planet that was completely homebrew and it's filled with completely homebrew creatures and i like i try to give a little bit of familiar like familiarity with the creatures as in the ways of oh it's like a giant cat or oh it's like this but it's also mixed with a giant freaking owl so let's add those two things together and see how you guys fare and <laughs> they don't like it and <laughs> but um a lot of the times what I'll do is I will personally take the stats from a regular creature, like a giant cat or a giant owl, and just kind of homebrew the hell out of it. And they, they, they'll learn. They'll learn to deal. The culture shock is actually a really fun part of the whole experience for both right. the players and the, the characters. Because, like, the crew travels to different planets that are just completely different than, you know, the one they were on before. Like, spoiler alert, the planet they are on now has absolutely no technology. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I was going to say, like, if you think about it, some, like, you'd have to talk to your players about, you know, what they want out of the campaign, obviously. And we've covered that in previous episodes. But in some cases, no familiarity is good. Like some parties and players will want a fresh experience, and that's good. That allows both of you, like players and DMs alike, to flex your creative muscles. I I have no further commentary, um, seeing as I haven't actually ran any encounters in my world really. Um, so shall we move on to the next question? B is muted for the moment. Um. Uh, I can I can continue talking about this if I think sure. more about it. 
my mind's still in work, so I'm like, <laughs> and how I almost you died. Are, you are so valid. Uh, but yeah, no, like for, I actually enjoy making homebrew creatures because it, like you were saying, it gives the, the players a, a different aspect, something that they're not, not used to, which in, in D&D is something that's kind of a, a big thing. Like you don't walk down the street every day and encounter a, a owlbear. Well, your characters aren't going to walk down the street and every day encounter, you know, a six-eyed owlcat. It keeps them on their toes. So they, they learn to adapt. That's pretty much my answer to that question. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. I also think uh, that said, if you're going to go completely off the dome, I think it's fair to let your players do a bit of the same. Yeah. Like, yes, you're the DM, but if you're going to do like a completely fresh experience, if like encourage your players to do something different too. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, don't throw creatures they've never seen at before if you're demanding that the that the character with the best decks must ergo be a rogue. Like, if you're going to demand classical D out of your party, and then you get to do whatever the hell you want, there might be some anger there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My contribution to this that I sort of just popped into my head is, for my, for my fantasy worlds, um, not that I have a whole lot of them, but for my fantasy worlds that I've run games in, even just one-shots, um, the world-building style that I take is I actually take like pre-existing fantastical concepts, like the, the, your standard fantasy races, like elves, dwarves, goblins, orcs, blah, 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 and you know fantasy creatures like dragons and, and stuff like that, and take that, they, those, those common concepts and do something new with them. So like, you, you can tell your players, oh, you're facing a party of orcs, and your players might immediately think of, you know, dumb, green-skinned, brutish bastards. But in actuality, you're facing, you know, Hyrax-descended warriors who are masters of martial arts and incredibly creative in their fighting styles. So it's a new challenge with something that you thought you recognized. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and I like... just enjoy turning fantasy tropes on their head a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you're worried about your players really like being too overwhelmed with something you've you've created this new creature or something, work it into the story of like the lure of the place that they're in. Like in books or writings, they find something on these creatures, so that way they know they're there, and it's not something that's going to be just completely by surprise. It's true. Like if you if you have if your version of a dragon is substantially different than a typical dragon have a book in a library have a sketch of what this world thinks is a dragon good point yeah that's all that is all the information your players know to know there's something different here yeah and tease them with those hints it's true and honestly that's kind of why i love i have no i i can't deny my my love of mtg and dnd Thanks, Guildmaster's Guide. You've thrown me down a rabbit hole. But, uh, <laughs> but that said, the Plane Shift articles that, okay, context. D&D puts these out fairly regularly. 
they kind of stopped recently, which sucks because they, they're awesome. Let, let me just pitch this to you. These are 40-page D&D supplemental material, taking the worlds of Magic the Gathering, getting a D&D leader from to try and make that D&D make sense, using art commissioned from the Magic the Gathering set, putting it together in a readable document, and putting it out on their page for free. And it's about 40 pages of stat blocks, new lore, new creatures, new races, all sorts of stuff. For free. Just there for you. Yeah, that is honestly rather admirable. It's like just free DLC for your game, for your tabletop yeah. game. And frankly, some of the worlds that they've done this for are some of my favorites. I've been hyping up Ixalan a bit, but... Spy, I think you'll appreciate this. Uh, Ixalan is a world that kind of has a bunch of cultural inspiration. One of the factions is called the Dusk Rose, and they are super Conquistador-inspired. The race that mainly makes them up? Vampires. <laughs> Fanatical fucking vampires. funny. Holy shit. <laughs> oh my god. White-skinned parasites? <laughs> just vampires fanatical crazed vampires oh my god and, the, oh. and the, the world lore of Ixalan literally is the vampires are seeking this new world because they've drained the blood of everyone in the motherland oh my god so they're I both hate that and love blood. that that's that is beautiful villainization of colonialism I love that a lot uh, the other factions were the Merfolk as the River Heralds, which were real... Oh god, I could show art, but... Needless to say, these kind of things are free. <laughs> and it's amazing. And right. if you've ever wanted to say the words that the party's fighting an elder dinosaur, now you can. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Seek the Plane Shift articles out if you want ideas for how to make your world different. The Kaladesh dragons are based on tigers. Oh, that's awesome. Right? The Kaladesh uh, dragons are tiger-inspired. The Ixalan River Herald merfolk are kind of like kind of like beta fish-inspired a little bit. They have long fins with the pinks and different colors. Very cool. Very cool spins on some classic D&D stuff that I, I super love. Uh... All right. Well, that question is also from Silver, so thank you, Silver. Um, thank you very much. Should we do a segment? I think we should think do a so. segment. I think it's segment time, because we've only got a few questions this episode. I know, which is sensible, because we didn't really say we'd be doing those. At the end of the episode, maybe we should talk a little bit logistics, so that way people know what the hell is going on here. <laughs> anyway, yeah. that's why I'm kind of breezing through these, so that way we can have... I think the times where it's just us, we get to talk a bit more about the inner workings of us and what we're doing. So yeah, uh, yeah. So segment. Uh, what do we want to do first? I think cursed homebrew going last has basically become tradition. Yeah, I was gonna say it's either horrible D and D ideas or oh god, what's our other segment? I've already fucking forgotten. It's, it's that or Cursed Homebrew. We had the D&D wiki, we had the horrible, we had the RPG horror stories, and I have one in the works, and I mean in the works, because 
it's someone's personal horror story that has a funny slant, but they need we're working on getting it like recorded and stuff like that. Oh, all right, all right. Yeah. So, so I'll save that one. Uh, needless okay. to say, if you if you liked if you liked Star last session, uh, she has a RPG horror story of her own that she'd like to share about. Oh a, boy! Oh, that's gonna time, be good. About a time involving a deck of many things. So. <laughs> oh no! Yeah. Oh so dear. Once, once her and I sit down and get that either penned out or recorded or something, we'll put it in one. But anyway, until then, I think we'll just do the, the two we can do. Okay, in that case, um, I have in my, in my backlog on my Tumblr, tagged with absolutely horrible D&D ideas that I must try out ASAP. I have a post that was started by um, Anthrax Lobster, user Anthrax Lobster, which... Can't, that's not pleasant at all. Do not like that. Um, cool monster idea, though. Um, it is. This is actually a screenshot of the original posts posted by inebriated novelist, uh, and it says, "Free world building idea." You'll have to excuse me for one second. I have to cough. Wheezy. <laughs> Fill the dead air every moment. Give me a moment in comedy. <laughs> um, okay. Wizards have the same trust in magic that software designers have in software, which is to say almost none at all. I feel like I should be doing a Douglas Adams voice for this. Are you fucking kidding me? I worked in a reagent re shop for a few years. I, I, I'm not sure what that word is supposed to be. I don't trust any of that stuff. Who the hell knows what other components are in the ashes? Yeah, it was in the circle that made Alston's Divine Circle of Teleportation. There's some pretty nasty corner cases you can get into, but the headmaster published it without us. I just take ships. It's way safer. <laughs> I call bullshit on that necromancer channeling spirits of loved ones. What did he say he was using? Medium conduit runic circles? That's well, just a bunch of buzzwords slapped together. They don't even interact with each other. I've been looking at this scroll all morning, and I'm 90% sure the scrab didn't even look at the standard for biromancies. <laughs> User Digital Discipline uh, replies with, Help desk, this is Gloraline. What did you fuck up this time? <laughs> Dave, I've seen the news, and frankly, I can see the ash cloud from here. You paid for extended support, not enabling support. <laughs> um, and this, this continues. There's a lot. It's a very long post. Um... <clears throat> Uh, I can't get this fucking spell to work. Jane, can you look at it? Passes a scroll, a few moments of silence. I think you missed a bookend rune right here. God damn it! It's always shit like that. Thank you, angrily scribbles on parchment. <laughs> I love it. Um, and then this last edition by user BeachFox is part, part, probably my favorite edition of the post, which is I was going to add that the reason why wizards and witches always have familiars around is so that they can rubber duck at them until they realize what the mistake with their spell is. And for those of you unfamiliar, the rubber duck method is a method that programmers actually use where they have a rubber duck that they explain their code to, and it helps them figure out the, the problem. So outside, as outsiders get it wrong and figure the familiars are somehow teaching spells to their owners, but no, it's just explaining to Firewing what you're trying to do with this teleportation matrix until you realize that you've been using telepathy crystals to power it the whole time like a fucking idiot. <laughs> uh, 
So yeah, I I love I love the idea that uh, I've seen a couple posts like this, but I love the idea that magic is just fantasy coding. And now that I'm taking an actual legit coding class, I'm taking C++, which is object-oriented programming, because um, it's mandated for my major. Um, but now that I'm taking an actual coding course, I understand the frustrations. Like, there was an old uh, prank idea that floated around some circles I used to run in that was, um, if you want to piss off a programmer, replace one of their semicolons with a Greek question mark, because they look almost identical but the character values are wildly different, so their code won't run, and you get to watch them go insane trying to find the error. Mean. Yep. But I love the idea that magic is just, you know, fantasy coding, and it works the same way, and, and it's just such a fucking funny idea. Like, you know, you forgot to put a fucking bracket here in between your time rune and your end line, your bookend rune. God fucking damn it, thank you. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Why is my spell looping infinitely? I don't <laughs> know, I copied it line for line. Good. I, I want to say, in general, the idea that wizards... I think wizards specifically. Because sorcerers... I love the joke that sorcerers are cheaters. <laughs> I because mean, they kind of are. Bards are, are, the, are the cheaterest of all. but Yeah. But, like, clerics, you learn it from something. Paladins, you learn it from some Like, all the other classes, you learn it from something. You know what I mean? Wizards are the people who learn it themselves, which means wizards, in my opinion, it makes sense to always kind of be on the cusp of a new discovery. Right. With all of the failure that that will entail. <laughs> If your wizard, like, is satisfied with the base spells, that's fine. You can play him that way. But, like, try making a wizard whose dream is creating the next fireball. You know what I mean? Right. And that's part of why I love um, the, the wizard in Tales of the Voidfarer, Marco Asterio. Because he's literally, like, the character is a grad student. <laughs> and he's got like he's he's a he's a total nerd and anytime he encounters like new shit he's like man i'm gonna have to change my thesis <laughs> i mean um the tanner once. the player keeps making jokes about like every time they get paid marco is just in awe because as a grad student he's never seen this much money in his life <laughs> <laughs> i can he get went. so much funding for these discoveries <laughs> But at heart, he really is a nerd who's like really excited about discovering new things and thinking about the applications of these new things. Yeah, and I was actually about to take it home to Lance because I think that's vaguely familiar to you. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Next question! Uh, hey, Daythorn. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Daythorn. Bye, Daythorn. Hi, <laughs> So, next question. But no, seriously. Actually, final thought. If you, if you and your player want to try and do this, like, it's something I've always kind of had in my back pocket, but never, you know. <clears throat> Schools of magic are basically majors. Change my mind. <laughs> and Oh, yeah, and, no, I agree. What are you majoring and, in? Uh, second wave necromancy? Oh! But with that said, 
with that said, that also means new majors are being added all the time, you know? So if right. you and your player want to make a wizard whose goal is to find the next school of magic and want to, when the campaign's done, have a homebrew wizard class, that's fucking sick. Do it. I agree. I mean, in our campaign, in the um, Escape Artist campaign, I've probably mentioned this before, but one of our players, Saturn Dolorum, he is a former med student. He's a necromancer who got kicked out of med school for doing necromancy. Good. <laughs> And I mean, D&D has a lot of ones, but there's so many, like, just archetypical-sounding magic schools that D&D either enveloped into one of their others that you can expand on, you know what I mean? Like, for example, right. you, ha you have your... Uh... Oh god, I'm forgetting the name. Um, the ones that do all the elemental spells. I mean... Uh, evocation. Evocation. Yeah, evocation. But, so how I've seen it is evocation is offensive, whereas abjuration is defensive. Right, but that said, evocation kind of envelops cryomancy, pyromancy, etc., etc., you know? Right, and there are different ways to classify even the same spells. Like, there are different ways to divide I mean, up magic. And also, if you, if you want to give spells... This is kind of a spoiler for campaign two, but whatever. Uh, even though I'm only playing a warlock... Um, I've had this homebrew idea for Halloway for so long that I need to buy, abide by Livy. Uh, namely, I... You know the spell Lightning Lure? Not really, no. It's a cantrip, and it just makes this like whip of lightning you crack at your enemy. It's a cool ranged thing, you know? Oh, that's fucking sick. Yeah, the direct words are a lightning lash, and frankly, I don't know why lightning lash isn't just the spell name, because <laughs> that's significantly cooler. Yeah. Um, but... Weird things, weird things set you off. I love the idea of if you have a whip of lightning, let you use it like a whip, like you can use it to cling on to stuff, you know, mm. or rope yourself to things. It is lightning, so it's probably not necessarily good at it, but, <laughs> but in a pinch, you know what I mean? Right. It might, it, like there's, there's cool applications to playing with what a spell means. For example, oh, I love it. I love, love, love it. With players like take a spell and say yep that's good enough that'll do just personifying the improvise adapt and overcome mantra in the yeah. magic that's, for example, that's really fun for example ice knife yes you can throw it the way the spell suggests but also why <laughs> oh you know that's why i fucking love the ring of the grammarian too so like going back to the magic is coding thing changing one fucking letter in the name of a spell changes the whole spell. I Great love that idea so much. Yes. Fucking turning wish into fish. You just summon a giant fish. You waste your ninth level spell slot on summoning a giant fish. Or Did my I, favorite. I tell you my favorite was changing um, casted shatter on a paladin in full plate armor, but changed it to sharder. He crapped himself <laughs> to death. Good. Did I Fucking tell iconic. You, did I ever tell you about a. Uh... Otto's irresistible correction. Otto's irresistible. What? <clears throat> Bill, a, a poster named Bill Murray. I doubt he's the real Bill Murray, considering he has a Deadpool uh, thing. <laughs> Put on a D and D second edition Facebook group. Lich fire bard bolt. Lich ball. Wait, what? No, spell Morse into firebolt. Wizard. Damn, that's a good spell. What is it? Bard. Oh, I call it Otto's irresistible correction, but most folks call it. Auto correct. 
Fuck! God damn it. I hate that. I hate it, but I love it. That's fucking brilliant. Please. Oh, That's I love such that. A idea. I read that and immediately went, okay, but let's chart out the applications here. Oh, That's such a I cool love reaction that. spell. That's such a cool reaction spell because, yes, you can debuff Firebolt into Fireball. Sure. Counterplay. You could turn someone's Firebolt into Fireball. Oh, I fucking love that. I it's, fucking it's, love that so much. It is, it's like the Ring of the Grammarian, but as a reaction spell, and it's part of a word, which allows so much variety. Like, look Yeah, instead of changing one letter, you can change whole syllables or phonemes, an entire word. I mean, think about the changes that are available in just the Wall of series. If you're in an icy area, if you make someone's wall of fire into a water, well, they're fucked. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. There's just so many... It's such a cool idea. I'd have to... It has to be thought out on how to make it not broken. My guess is you'd have to use a spell slot of the spell you want it to turn into, you know? I don't know, because I like the idea of somebody, like, wasting their... Like, you, they try to cast Wish, and you use the spell to, like, correct it to Bitch or something like that, and they waste their ninth level spell slot. I love that idea a lot. That, God. All right. I think we should move on. We spent a lot of time talking about this. Um, so that was uh, the absolutely horrible D&D idea that I must try out ASAP. Yeah. I guess we gave you two for one with autocorrect. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, that was a cool one, and I, I liked it a lot. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with a with a Shay question. Uh, how do you play out important NPC slash NPC interactions without having them go on for too long? Also, Shay did this great thing where she put the questions in bold and then gave context. Like, that was, I don't know, I, I thought that was great. It's, yeah, that is helpful. As a player, I enjoy watching NPC interactions because it helps me to get to know them and become more invested in their stories. However, some DMs, including myself, are guilty of falling in love with their NPCs and wanting to play out long scenes, which can get boring for others. How do I play out NPCs? No way. Uh-oh. Hang on. My connection died. And doesn't just feel like I'm nerding out about my OCs. Fair. Have you, have you returned? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Fucking so, yeah. school Wi-Fi. But yeah, that's the basic point is, how do I do NPC and NPC scenes without making it feel like I'm just playing dolls with my OCs? That's tough. Um... Yeah, that's that's really difficult. I think I would just say try to involve your players' characters in the in their in the NPC development. Like you can have important NPCs that are, you know, that undergo character development and, and that sort of thing too. I mean, Taz did it, CR does it, I'm sure. Um I all of the all of the shows that I follow do it. I mean, Frostwalkers is probably most guilty because of fucking Calum and them and and Twenty Sided Adventures Lance with Sito. Um, 
but I, I guess that what it comes down to is involve your player characters in the NPC's character growth. So you don't have to be playing out scenes between NPCs that are super long and just having your players sit by and, and wait for you to be done. I will even throw a throat tip the hat to Lawful Stupid real quick. Because their most recent episodes, uh, Barnabas has been getting a lot of development, and I've been loving that. Um, but, like, having NPCs get development with the party is not a problem, and a lot of players enjoy it, you know? Right. And having two NPCs talk, hate to say it, but sometimes it is necessary, you know? Oh, yeah, obviously. As long as it oh, isn't, yeah. like, too drawn out. Yeah. Like, we you can... About this- I think the same rule of villain with our villain interaction applies here. Like yeah, I would say so as well. If you make it a conversation, people will notice it less. If you make it a conversation they're allowed to be in, people notice it less. And like less for... or more. No, like like if people note if you make the NPC and NPC talking a conversation the players can get into, you you can make oh, it go for okay. a bit longer without yeah. getting like people you hand. mean people mind it less. Okay, yeah. 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 And if you if you need the NPC to have the NPCs plural to have uh, an extended interaction, you can just do it off screen and then reference it in their dialogue later in game. If you're doing a home game, yeah, I, I'd say depending on the severity of it, if you're recording, you might have to like record it separate and put it at the end, like Lance did Zakaria scene. Yeah, that's I was a good point say, too. That's that's one thing like. There's a lot of um, the NPCs in Twenty Sided Adventures are are pretty important to what happens in in the whole thing with Botchus, Nora, and Daythorn, and so there Sometimes are several times the where they're more competent. <laughs> but that's I mean, isn't that always the case though? I'm I'm not gonna say anything. Sito's um, <laughs> just gonna go take a a nap right now, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I've I've recorded several just conversations like with Gabriel and some of his crew members and like some NPC interactions that are going to go into the like the end or like somewhere that will be really fun just to kind of so you get in depth with the character like the NPCs and you get to know them more just like the characters but it's not interrupting the character's chance to shine. Right. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, I will also say sometimes, sometimes players want to see it because they like payoffs. People like payoffs. You know what I mean? Right. If your care, if your players are invested in these NPCs, then yeah, go ahead. I suppose, but not all groups would be like that. I will tell you the most awkward time I've ever had was when uh, this actually next week's episode where Aqualon and Gabriel have a confrontation. I had to, like, kind of argue with myself. I think they enjoyed that, but it was... You you can't go too far with it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's that's true and fair. True and fair. Anyway, do I spoil this? Like, it did literally happen yesterday in uh, recording time, but I also don't know when we're putting this out. So... It may uh, not be. should be fine. Yeah. Caitlin unless you, his... like, unless you speed edit and put it out tonight, it should be fine. I don't intend to. I intend to, like, wait till at least the end of the week. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, point being, 
Caleb met his mom. And that was a scene that I played out fully because people like payoffs. So, like, keep in mind what the scene is. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, A trade agreement might not get people's attention. A character meeting their mother for the first time might, though. Uh, Yeah, you think? (laughs) So, like, just, just keep in mind the... Just keep in mind, like, what scene is this? You know what I mean? You, yeah. you, you, you know. And, and by you know, I mean you, the DM, listening, know. Honestly, my best piece of advice is sit down and think, if I was a player, would I care about what's happening right now? And if your answer is probably not, then work around it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Because, I mean, everyone's different. Some people care about things that other people don't. People love the trade talk in the Star Wars prequels, and other people hate it. So, you know, whatever, dude. But my point being, just in general, if you think, God, I'd hate if someone sat me down for this, or if this was a movie, I'd skip this scene, then, then do that. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a very good rule of thumb, actually. Um... So yeah, that's my answer to you, Shay. Thank you very much. Um, I'm going to go back to the pin messages and remove Shay's. Okay. Uh, Silverdesk asks, what are your inspirations or what do you use for inspiration when coming up with cities? And I'm going to expand like just locales in general. Mm. <clears throat> mm. I don't think See... so much of the name as much as it is just like... Yeah, because we already went over naming... Right. Um, I think the idea is more like, hmm, I want to build a city. What can I do to make it different? You know what I mean? I I admit I don't have a lot of experience with this. I I've done a few, and Lance has done a few. So Lance and Lance, do you want to do you want to take it? Because you've had to make planets. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I will tell you that the waste and the city of. Uh, Thibus and Trine and all that, those were heavily inspired by Harlock, the space captain pirate. Mm. I would watch that movie like eight times a day. And so when I was like, I'm going to do a space campaign, I sat down and I watched it like another 30 times and just took notes and kind of built off of that. And that's how... The Bryce Sanctum Citadel was made, and the city, like, the wastes. True. Yeah. A DM, a DM is only as good as the obscurity of the things he steals. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a whole lot of experience with building cities. Certainly not cities for my players to actually play in. Although, come to think of it... See, I always forget this because my campaign is just sort of like... It, on the back burner right now we haven't actually played anything since god over a year ago now um but when i was building the the city that they were starting in i basically just had um i had so i have a bit of lore for it it's called um Ot Makim, the elven citadel and it is a very very large it's like a super city it's a mega city on an island on a volcanic island in the middle of an inland sea. So it's very well defended. And it's this mix of like elven architecture, which is like in in Adrian in the world that it 
it's set in. Elves are inspired by like Middle Eastern civilization. So like both ancient like Mesopotamian and Assyrian and like the Egyptian and the designs of Petra in Jordan. Um, but also a bit of that modern like or semi-modern architecture that they have as well. Um, so it's a mix of that just like through the ages. So there's like the the old Arx Imperium, the the ancient the palace is they are these massive towering grand structures of sandstone and basalt and obsidian that are carved in the traditional styles. And then there are newer buildings like the headquarters of the basically the major science organization like arcane science organization which is like built of steel and glass and looks super futuristic um so i think it's good to get that variety in there especially if it's a bigger city that's existed for a long time and is sort of a melting pot um and a city really is i mean a city is composed of the people who live in it so building important npcs like political figures and merchants that your players can visit and you know city guards that they might run into um of course you can just have generic city guards or you can have recurring city guard characters um K-Squad. Maybe, make it an interesting place for your players Zagreus. to interact in is what i'm saying yeah no, i get you and um if I may go off for a minute, because the, I've been thinking while you guys were talking. Um, there are, like, a couple places I want to give, like, a couple sentence highlights to in the Frostwalkers campaign, if that's cool. I promise I'm not going to talk about Tim Shull again, because I have a lot. So instead, I want to talk Tim about... Tim is literally the city that you built, dude. Talk away. <laughs> I know, but still, like... I'll give a couple sentences there because there's not too much I haven't already said. Is um, but I want to talk about Silom and the Hearth for a second. Silom came because I like Bioshock Infinite, really. <laughs> and then I was like, "Very valid." City sounds awesome. And then I thought about the Magitek implications, and I went, "Ooh, that's cool." And then the idea became, "What if it was like the the place for artificers?" You know, and then. When Shay talked about Rin being an artificer, I was like, "Ooh, well, that works here." And then the like, Asylum kind of became its own thing because of Shay's characters, you know. Mm-hmm. So like, Rin brought Liren, his father, into the mix, and then I thought about what he would be like responsible for in the city and all these other things, and it it, it became its own melting pot of stuff because of how interesting it was, you know. And just the thought you can put into it. The upper and lower asylum conflict was interesting. Uh, Valerian and Theo are some of my favorite NPC guests, and, and not NPCs, some of my favorite guest stars because of that. You know? They mm-hmm. brought this like very different style to them. Even if you look at Kat's concept art for Valerian, he has this very different look than the other characters in the Frostwalkers, you know? I love mm-hmm. Vi. He's so uh, cute, that cookies and cream baby. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, the hearth also um, came out of like, it, uh, admittedly, 
it kind of was like, what if we did Tim Show again, but with less civilization? <laughs> Valid. And yeah. then it became its own thing, though. And my biggest piece of advice, music. Seriously, though. Like, if you, are, if you have an idea for a city that's just like, hey, I want to do a steampunk city, just go on YouTube and look up steampunk music and just let it take you. <laughs> yeah, you, I actually, if... I don't use that method because I don't really, music to me presents more like story concepts and stuff. At least that's sort of how I've at least grown up with it. Um, yeah. Like, I, I'm a huge fan of Rush. So like the, no, the story songs that they 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 they've it's, made it's are the are right great. Um, for me, city building, and I don't do this a whole lot, but I usually reference a lot of real cities and real places when I'm doing like city building and stuff. So like, um, Krunukopi, the crown city in Sfera, um, capital of the the Aryan Federation is my basic, my fundamental concept, and what I like to describe it is, um, if Rome was built in Tibet, that, cool. is, that is the fundamental concept, because it's, it's on the edge of this really high, like, reddish mountain range, and, but the architectural style is very Greco-Roman. I feel like that's the feel that I'm getting, but it's also steampunk. So if Rome was steampunk and also built in Tibet... <laughs> Um, whereas with Atma Kim, um, I was originally going for like your sort of, no, I wouldn't say generic like fantasy city, but um, sort of a fantasy city feel like your typical fantasy city, but merged with like the um, Middle Eastern architecture and or Middle Eastern slash North African. But it's morphed into sort of like, a, a city plan almost like Beijing, China. And I've been there. Like, I've walked around Beijing for a whole day and, or a whole week, actually. Um, and the, the way that the city is laid out is very interesting to me because you have, like, these grand, regal, ancient buildings towards the center, and then around it, it's just, like, it's very sprawling. It's very... Beijing, from what I remember, is a very low, very sprawling city. There aren't a whole lot of like larger buildings. It's just very horizontal. Fair. So look at that. We've provided you three possible ways to do cities. <laughs> because at the end of the day, guess what, gang? None of us are right or wrong here. It's just our own creative process. Yeah, none of us are experts. Please do not consider us experts. Exactly. We did this because... I don't know what you guys are talking about. I'm an expert. <laughs> Lance exists. Lance insists he's a sexpert, but... <laughs> if there's a degree on his wall, I haven't seen it. <laughs> Leave <Anyway>. me alone. <laughs> anyway, point being, there is, there's no right way to do one thing or the other. So, like, if you're kind, of, if you are like spy and you need like real world, like you know, places to base off of, you're equally as valid as Lance who watched a movie and had ideas. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, but no, really, all of them just work, and it depends on what your players want and how much time you have to put into stuff. You know? Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, bottom line, just... you can choose any of these methods, or you can forge your own. You know? 
everything. No matter what, it's... no matter what way you do it, it's your creation, so you should be proud of it. Yeah, and I will end on one little thing that is a fun, just kind of gag to call off the city thing. Um, I'm giving away more campaign two stuff than Livy does. Uh, just one thing: the start town of campaign two is named Catopolis. And the best way I could describe it is Venice, but Greek. Fantasy Grecian Venice. Love that. And honestly, Venice itself was built with a very... It was, a lot of Venice was built in the Renaissance, which is when a lot of the old Greco-Roman uh, styling was coming back. So Venice itself is, is very Greco-Roman. So fantasy, I love, I love fantasy Venice. That's such a... I, I love that idea a lot. That's such a cool idea. I mean, I think we need to name this one historic architecture as by spy. Because <laughs> yeah. I've gotten more like history lesson in this one today than I think I got in all of college. <laughs> Listen, I don't know a whole lot about architecture, but I actually know quite a bit about world history. Fair. But yeah, uh, Catopolis should be a fun place. And so look out for that when campaign one ends. Oh, oh, wow. <laughs> I think I just had a heart palpitation. Okay, moving on. Uh, tachycardia is not good for your health, good sir. Uh, let's see. Two more questions from Shay. One of them's very quick, one of them's a bit longer. How closely do you think people should stick to the book when designing their characters? Go hog fucking wild, my dude. Yeah, there's more what here, book? but yeah, initial reaction is do whatever you want. Yeah, here's, here's the thing. Talk to your DM. Yes. Talk to your DM, see what lore they have for the world. If they're if they're leaving it open for the for your players for, the, for your characters to fill in, like if they say like, "Oh, I don't really have any ideas for X race that you want to do." So, you know, make up what you want and then we can build the lore around that. That's great. Um, it's but super like, fun too. It makes you feel way more part of the world. Oh yeah, absolutely. So that's sort of the approach that I've taken to Adrian, my world of Adrian, is like I have some ideas about, you know, the general like biology and stuff of the races, but their actual cultures and stuff. I'm like, listen, I have some ideas, but this is also up to you guys. Like whatever you guys want to do with this, I'm game. We can roll with it. Whereas yeah, with, one... with Oh, sorry, I was just sorry, gonna compare go to my world of Sphera is a lot more lore rigid. So when people are building characters for Sphera, I have a lot more like developed lore for it because it originally wasn't going to, like I didn't have any plans to make it an RPG system for Sphera. Right. So I developed very rigid not rigid, but I developed more in-depth lore about Sphera and its inhabitants. So there's a lot more to be referenced when building characters for Sphera. Tis true. And I think that's cool. I think different players will gravitate to different things, you know? Mm -hmm. so, Lance, what um, were you saying? Yeah. Uh, I was going to say that uh, that's what I did with the Bacha Stathorn and Nora is they each came from different planets, so they each had to make their culture and their planets. And since that's what the, that's the planet that their characters came from. So they, they had to come up with the deities, if there was any, the cultures of what this planet would like do, the name of the planet, 
that might be just kind of my way of cheating out of making three whole new plans. Yeah. But, <laughs> making you know, making and, your your players do the do their fucking homework, huh? <laughs> yep. And like I think it really helped them kind of get more immersed into their characters making their homeland of where they grew up and like if there are certain things like for botches, you know, he was born in the waste, so there was obviously things that, you know, he couldn't change, but like the traditions that he had or that are in uh the waste he got to come up with. So that was kind of cool. That's yeah. awesome. And it kind of makes sense that Botches is the one who comes from the waste because you and Kaz can have like face-to-face conversations about it more so than you could with the other two. Yeah. Yeah, so that makes sense. That's just yeah, it's just pragmatic. I have no joke here. That's just smart. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I, I think that say, pretty solidly. Uh, final, oh, sorry. Yeah. My final thing, though, is uh, when it comes to, like, physical design as well, like, just the way they art them, even more so go off, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. for, I guess, the dumb example I'll bring to the table, uh, Calum's tail has been a joke since day one of the podcast. And here we are, almost 50 episodes later, and we've explained the tale via the Arctic Elves, and it's the best thing ever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so the lore will just follow whatever you do. (laughs) Yep, sometimes you'll just sit and think and kind of just like, what about this? And then you have that moment that everyone has where you're like, that's stupid, I I shouldn't even say it. But then you bring it up to the cast chat anyway on a whim, and then the city of Hearth is born. (laughs) (laughs) That, it, well, you get an easy out. You're the fucking DM. It's true, but <laughs> as DMs, we often feel like I think this is true. There's often this sense of like anxiety bug, you know. And mm-hmm. one of the beauties of D and D is you have the players to just be like, "No, oh, that sounds cool," and then you're just instantly validated. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that pretty solidly clears up the uh, that last question. Yeah. Well, that second to last question. The last one is kind of a freebie question. It's like it's it's like we're at the end of the test. You like get the one that's just like, how do you feel about the test today? You know what I mean? Like you get that, right. You get that nice one. Uh, funniest Nat one experience and most badass Nat twenty experience. Oh boy! Oh, this is gonna be good. Mm. Let's, let's go reverse chat order. So, Lance, do you want to? Do we do ones then twenties or just person one and twenty? Like there's there's some formatting here. I think it would make sense to do all the twenties and ones at like in in yeah. the same grouping. Okay, so we'll start with the nat ones because they're you know we'll start with the oh nat ones. Lord. Lance, what is the funniest nat one you've either experienced or done or in general that you've seen? Oh lord! Normally I'm last, and usually I have time to think about this stuff. Oh, I'm sorry. We can. I can. We can jump. No, that's. I I know my my twenty. I'm just trying to think of my net one. Um, B, you go, and then I'll I'll come back more prepared. Okay. I think we can circle back to you. Yeah. yeah. I think funniest net. It's hard because my players don't get a lot of ones. Hi, Rev, and your god dice. <laughs> <laughs> which which actually reminds me of the story of cats piss dice. 
it's this like piss yellow die that Kat got. And she jokes that it only ever rolls 20s or 1s. And she only brings it out when she knows that she needs that 20 and is willing to risk the 1. <laughs> oh boy. It's like the coin flip dice. She hates it. <laughs> I, I have to say though, piss die is like one of the most powerful things that we've ever said on this podcast. <laughs> it's true. Thank you, Kat. Um, but I think the best net one that I can remember. Oh God, I repressed so many. <laughs> um, go into the trauma vault. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, there was, yeah, I think this. I think this is fine. There was one time where uh, I was DMing, and they were. This was a net one in the weirdest way possible. So they were, my college buddies were trying to like get this mind flare to be like cool, to not be evil, you know? Oh boy. And we just run, we just run a, what was it? White Plume Mountain. And White Plume Mountain ends with a fight against some genies, but they were so overpowered that I just used mind flares instead. And I thought mind flares would make a puzzle dungeon. That makes sense, you know? And so they got this mind flayer cornered. There was an and so I asked they asked him if he would like stop. They rolled a crit there, so he did stop. But then they asked him if he wanted to join like their guild. And that's where the one came in. So he absolutely did not. But that sucked for me because then I went, so what's his epilogue here? <sighs> Two weeks later, the party was invited back to White Plume Mountain for the first ever edition. Of fantasy wipeout. Oh my god, what the fuck? <laughs> Holy shit. He didn't want to join their guild because he wanted to become a TV celebrity. So this mind flayer in the world runs a fucking fantasy game show where the adventurers run through his dungeon and there are cameras and magic mouths and everything and pe and people at home can tune in and just watch the funny like can watch the rogue tripping up their own two feet and falling into the water. The, they can watch adventuring parties go through fantasy wipeout. And that happened because of a nat one. That's fucking legendary. Holy shit, how are we going to top this? <laughs> fantasy wipeout, hosted by the Mind Flayer Karaptus, is <laughs> very good. I want to run like... I want to redo White Plume Mountain with a new party where Fantasy Wipeout is assumed and not, like, the outcome. So, like, instead of this Mind Flayer being all menacing, they're, like, being the kind of witty announcers from Wipeout, making, like, bad puns about the players and such. You know? I love that immensely. So that's my one. And somehow it became the best thing ever. So not ones oftentimes turn into legendary stories, too. Uh... So, any other ones? Lance, you got something? I do, unfortunately. Oh, oh, oh boy. <laughs> the, the, cod, the strut of pain that I heard in that sentence. Okay, well, to... the this, this story... This is the story of how I died. Uh, actually, no. Record this is scratch. Hi. This is me. You're probably wondering how I ended up in the situation. <laughs> uh, actually, this is the story of how I almost killed two of my teammates by trying to steal <laughs> something. Uh, this was actually my first 
campaign ever playing D&D in. And so I was still very new and still wasn't sure what I was doing. And I was playing a rogue and he was just this little asshole. And we were in a store with these really big bookshelves and I said that I wanted to steal something. So of course they're like, okay, roll stealth. I'm like, okay, so I rolled a one. Well, they told me, you know, okay, well, the the shopkeep sees you stealing and yells at you, roll a constitution save. Well, I rolled a two. Mm. So I bumped into the bookshelves. Then they said, roll a deck save. Well, I rolled a one. Oh, no. Uh, So I knocked over these large bookshelves where my DM then told two of my other players to roll deck saves where they also rolled ones. Holy shit. Crushed two of my players with a giant bookshelf where they each had to make a death saving throw and then we were promptly kicked (sighs) out of the shop and didn't get what we needed. And that's why I never buy a bookshelf on Gumtree. (laughs) That's why I never buy a bookshelf on Gumtree. B, I almost got fucking apple juice in my sinus. Holy shit. And since that day, I have not played a rogue. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. See, As Rev Rev sits in the chat as Andre silently. (laughs) Yeah, also, I should mention um, in the chat, um, we have evolved from piss die to piss and die, which is like (laughs) the most bone-chilling command that you could ever give someone. Just piss and die. Can the command spell work with this? (laughs) If you're a very sadistic player, then yes. I hate it. Okay. Um, See, I don't have a lot of... I don't have a lot of, like, good critical failure stories because most of my funny stories about crits are for nat 20s. Like, getting nat 20s on dumb shit. Um, Yeah. But the one that I can think of that in, at least involves a critical failure was the the one time that I ran Wild Sheep Chase, the one-shot Wild Sheep Chase. I remember. And it was just a goddamn Looney Tunes episode. I swear to God. You, you talked about it with the star a bit last episode. Yeah. I, the, the fucking... I, I explained the Looney Tunes moment where he opens that he gets the door opened on him, right? Yeah, that's that's pretty much the best nat one that's ever happened. Um, okay. The best nat twenty. There are a lot of candidates for this, frankly speaking. Um, I, honorable mention goes to our veteran bottle flipping a metal thermos. And on, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Roll. I rolled a bottle flip my metal thermos full of vodka and dab to impress the Bigfoot God. Roll nat twenty. <laughs> You impressed him, all right. Um, she might have multiclassed into cleric that day. If, if <laughs> uh, let cleric me of good vibes. Good lord. Um, God, I had a good nat twenty story, and now it's just gone. Fuck. I'm gonna Shit. put. I'm gonna put cleric of good vibes in royal in royal decrees. <laughs>
God, which Nat 20 was I thinking of? Fuck. It's just gone. Do you want to circle back? Yeah, go ahead, please. Lance, you got a 20 story? I do, and it's actually one that I've told before. But uh, it was with my tiefling monk, Lila. And she had the foldable ship. And... And we were facing off against a bunch of cultists in the middle of a village. So she climbed up to the tallest building, threw it, yelled, uh... God, what did she yell? I can't remember what she yelled. Oh, she uh, yelled, hey, eat ship. <laughs> Rolled a nat 20 on her attack with it and transformed the foldable ship into a large ship and ended up crushing uh, about, I think it was 18 of those cultists in the middle of the village with a ship. So that was my nat 20 story. Holy ship. Cool beans. Ship happens. Cool beans. Cool fucking beans. <laughs> um, I also remembered. No, I I finally fucking remembered the best nat the best nat one that ever happened to me. Okay, hang on one second. Cool beans. Okay, so this was the first game that I, the first campaign that I ever played. This is the this was where Jatai originally comes from. My arcane trickster Tabaxi. So we were approaching this village full of grung. And for whatever reason, the, the DM had decided that like the grung's catchphrase in this campaign was, do you know the way? Because that was the meme at the time. Oh, uh, Uganda knuckles. <sighs> Dark days for everyone involved. Truly. So what happened was we were, we were tasked to free some prisoners inside the temple at the center of the grung village. And we ju- were like waiting just outside the village and we were like strategizing and everyone's like, okay, so how are we going to do this? We got to make a battle plan. We'll send in the barbarian first. And I'm like, guys, guys, come on. Rogue here. Hello. I'll just sneak in, scout out the temple, and then we'll know more and we can make a better plan. And they're like, okay, fine. The DM's like, all right, so I'm going to need you to roll stealth. Critical fucking failure. I trip and fall on my I trip on my own fucking feet fall flat on my face in the middle of the town square of this full this fucking village full of grung all of them look at me the one that I tripped right in front of just looks down at me and goes do you know the way and I just looked up at him and I said yeah uh, it's back the way I came <laughs> and that was the time we almost got a TPK <laughs> art <laughs> It's just art. Uh, my nat 20, uh, because it's most recent in my mind, I don't know if it would, there were, I don't remember if you got a nat 20, Rev, but there were 20s involved in the numerics. But uh, Andre fucking jumping off a rimmer has, jabbing into a snowworm with her knife, climbing up and slashing its mandibles while Finley comes in with a Ambrose. Uh, possessed sled and cutting at the fucking chest is possibly my favorite moment ever and if I could commission someone when I have money I would love to see this battle scene fully rendered of these two badass fighter ladies just kicking the shit out of a snowworm yeah see alright I've got my my best nat 20 
moment because it involves several nat 20s on everyone's part. <laughs> so this is the first time that Jatai adopted the um, his now his signature pose, which is hanging upside down and shooting things with his bow. Um, so this was a one-shot that was run by my friend Jason. The guac guy. Yes, he's the guac guy. Um, and I was with I was playing with a paladin and a I think a barbarian. No, paladin and a fighter. And so they they're all they're both really strong. And we were in this dungeon and we came upon this trap door. And so we looked down in it and there's a death knight like 10 feet down. The the trap door is in the middle of the ceiling of this room. This really big room. It's like 10 feet to the floor and there's no ladder, no rope, no nothing. And there's this death knight just like standing there in front of this chest which is presumably hiding the artifact that we need to get from this dungeon. So what happened was um, they're all like trying to figure out how to like toss the rope down without you know immediately getting shredded. And I'm like, now hold on here. I have, well, you may call it dumb idea, but I prefer to think of it as creative solution. Um, so what my idea was, I got them to hold me, hang me upside down by my feet through this trap door. And I was going to shoot him with my bow while hanging upside down through the trap door. And the DM's like, all right, there are going to be a bunch of rolls needed for this. So first off, I'm going to need strength checks from both of you, both the, the fighter and the paladin, nat 20s. And uh, Jatai, I'm going to need you to roll dex, nat 20. All right, uh, fucking roll the hit, I guess. Nat 20. Roll damage? Max damage. All right, now roll strength to pull him up, I guess. Nat 20. Nat 20! <laughs> it was the most insane streak of good luck I have ever fucking had. And it, like... <laughs> The DM is, like, shaking his head. Jason is like, all right, first of all, that was the dumbest thing I've ever seen done. But it was also the coolest shit ever. Do You guys, you guys can try again if you want. I'm like, I'm not pushing my luck any further. That was too good. <laughs> Fair. That was great. Um, do you have a 20? Oh, no, you already mentioned your 20 lines. I think... I think we did our ones and twenties. I think we're all set. B. I think it is time. Okay, so I have a bit of a plot twist this time. I don't have one piece for you boys today. I have a subculture that I discovered. Oh no! Uh, let me give a few examples, and uh, let me ask you what these have in common. <clears throat> Obama snow. Blastoise, Blaziken, Armaldo, Bisharp. Yes, people have made custom races for just different Pokemon. Not a Pokemon race, just a Pokemon. Each. Their own article, each time. I sat through while I was going through the alphabeticals. So many people just making Pokemon for no good reason. And it blew my mind. 
I don't even think they're the same author. It's not like one guy decided to make the Pokedex in D&D 5e. It's just a bunch that of That would be people. an absolutely Herculean task. It would be. But someone, a different people, was just like, you know what? Someone wants to play an Audino in my D&D game. All right, let me put it on the wiki. Then a different person goes, hmm, someone wants to play a fucking a fucking blast toys in my D&D campaign. Let me put it on the wiki. And it's this whole weird subculture and I don't know what to do about it. <laughs> I also hate to inform you Mega Evolution is available as a racial feature. God fucking damn it. Okay. Here's what I need. Here's what I fucking need. I need someone to play a Pikachu in a D&D campaign. <laughs> the best and... part about this is because they are because they are um this is just the race. We're we're looking at combos like a Blastoise Rogue, a Pikachu Wizard. <laughs> oh yes. No no no. That's not what I'm going for here. I need someone to play a Pikachu in a campaign. And their only fucking dialogue is just Pika Pika <laughs> the whole goddamn game. Yes, I'm here for it. I need that more than words can say. There's alcohol in the world. This and Sonic. We need we need a fucking video game campaign. We need to play fucking okay, what is what's that you... stupid movie? We need to play Wreck It Ralph as a fucking campaign. I thought you were about to say pixels. <laughs> I was going to say pixels, but I'm like, no, 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 that's too obscure. No. Okay, no. I will tell you guys something need... really funny. Sure. Oh boy. Is when we first started, we were going to name our um, group 20 Sided Stories. 20 Sided Stories is a already a uh, Dungeons and Dragons podcast that is Pokemon based. Oh boy. That's cool. Yeah. A little angry I didn't get stories, but adventures are just as good. Mm -hmm. <gasps> Someone made a dino race, and I'm instantly okay with this. They're just the cool little quadrupedal <laughs> dragon. Oh, they're tiny. How this thing could be a rogue is beyond me, but whatever. That's like the fucking Someone horse made... rogue idea. Oh, there's a BY2. Be you good. Ooh. Ooh, do they have any sort of ranger buffs? Because they can. That was excited. Yeah, I'm good. I'm vibing over here to these Pokemon. He's so mm -hmm. excited. His oh, audio cut yeah. out. But yeah, no, there's, there's his a lot vibes of... destroyed his audio connection. There's just a okay. It's I haven't. You know what? Let me actually deep dive into this decidue. I wanted to see if it's actually bad. Dex two was the one. Oh, okay, cool, but sure. That's the word that was read. Good alignment, value, freedom, making them chaotic. Base speed of 20 feet, flying speed of 30, see in dim light, flight speed 30, proficient in stealth. Guys, I, we have a problem. It's good, isn't it? They're not bad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's It's better. not like Sonic. No, it's not like Sonic. These are like, okay. <laughs> Delphox, Delphox refers to the mystic class. Hey, do you realize that this this segment has literally just become elevating levels of furry? <laughs> I thought the Tabaxi were the D and D furries. No, yes, but this the I'm realizing the D and D homebrew is just a different assortment of furry characters. 
I mean, we started You're with the chicken. You're just now realizing that? We started with a chicken, then we went to the Moby, and then we're at Pokemon. Soon, I didn't go all the way to end. There's a Deku scrub? There's this what? A Deku scrub. From Zelda. The... All right. See, hmm. Cybertron? Cybertronian? B? Guys, I think I mean I may need to change the subject of this. I think we need to talk about the Cybertronian for a second. <laughs> B, I need you to do something for me. Sure. See how many people have made Mario. <laughs> I will look, but I think Pokemon slash Cybertronian will be today, and next time I will bring the Mario. Uh, Cybertronian <sighs> are, as you can guess, the Transformers. Um... God, these I don't really want to read all about Cybertronian society. I don't care. Uh, strength increase of two, dark vision, speed of thirty, transformation um, to a mounter vehicle. Forms you take can depend on your sub race. Wait, on hang on. Transformation to a mount? Yeah. You got a transformer that fucking transforms into a horse? Let Let me read. Predacons. Uh, may polymorph into a mount or any beast of CR one half or lower. Yes! Vehicular bot. Constitution oh. of one. And the minicons. God, I remember the minicons. What the hell? Okay, well, I don't have anything extremely bad today, but I do have a lesson in copyright infringement. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is Wolverine all over again. I not, Guys, I think that DM just literally took stuff off this wiki it kind of makes sense don't it this dm just stole off this wiki oh boy huh i think we need to end it now before we go down this rabbit hole any further yeah, yeah. uh final addenda to the sonic thing because i talked with star uh afterwards about two jokes that i think are funny enough to make it to print um namely shadow's just the gunslinger um, god i hate and... that that's right Silver's a mystic, also fact. And, mm -hmm. uh, and frankly, um, the monk thing for Sonic, we kind, of, we kind of expanded on the build after the fact. It would be just... It would be what? Because uh -oh. monk's speed increases at different levels. It would just be the two rogue and then go into monk. Because oh, monk's boy. speed increases at levels. Your base speed just gets better. So, if for anyone out there braver than I, Sonic is just two levels of rogue, everything else in Monk, with, boot, with boots of speed. Have fun. Tell us how it goes. <laughs> Tell us how long it takes for your DM to kick you. Alright, I think we can call it quits. Yep. Do we want to talk about, like... Logistics? This about what we're doing here. Uh we kind of have more. Yeah. Um so for our listeners, um we are most likely gonna be actually talking to the DM of Tales of the Void Fair, uh Nick Yurseva, at some point very soon. Uh hopefully towards the end of this month in the coming weeks. Um and it seems like the pattern that we've unintentionally adopted is we have one episode with just the three of us and then an episode with a guest. So 
we'll see how that goes. Um, again, the semester is kicking into high gear, so I don't know how often I'm going to be available, but hopefully we can get more content to you guys soon. And also, speaking of more content, um, the show is probably going to be taking off as its own thing. Um, I can probably host it on my own site, which is uh, farsightmedia.org. Uh, which is where I've been planning to host my other podcasts whenever I fucking get around to them. Um, but yeah, so expect a separate feed for 3DMs or, well, I want to call it behind the screens because I think that's a f cool pun, but I don't know. We're still in the opening stages. <laughs> operation, find a better name for the operation. Yeah, it's still in its opening phase. <laughs> Yeah, we still got to run those papers by HR, so. <laughs> I will say, starting as something we did just for shits and giggles yeah. one time, to see it have come the way it has is really weird. This was actually supposed to be a, um, a place for the three of us to rant about being DMs and the struggles we face. And now we're a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we'll so, I think in fairness, uh, I don't want to assign blame, but <laughs> our first guest was a really highbrow one, so that may have been part of our problem. <laughs> yeah, just a wee yeah. bit. Again, thanks, Janet, from World yeah. Anvil. We love awesome. you, but also, but also, like... What have you, you done to us? Yeah, you may have inconsequentially led to the sequence of events. <laughs> <laughs> but um, hey, thank you for it. It's been a ride. Yes. And will continue to be a ride, I'm sure. Also, can I make a, a small, tiny announcement? Oh, yes, please. Just to, you know, shamelessly, like, shamelessly promote here. Uh, 20-Sided Adventures is going to be at Drolicon in Fort Wayne, Indiana in June. So anybody who's there can come and bother us and the crew. And we're going to be doing a live show with the K-Squad from the Bry Sanctum. Yay! Nice! Awesome. So cool. Uh, that's, yeah, that's awesome. Um, so I think, I think what you should expect is the episodes that already will have existed on the Frostwalkers feed won't be removed because why you know yeah it's too much work <laughs> stay, the st episodes that are here will stay here because why <laughs> too much and, work to go back and remove them yep we'll probably be making announcements when the move finally happens um because we've been talking about it since episode three and we just started talking about it again so knowing us <laughs> <laughs> yep. um, yeah um but but that said uh it's still exciting um, I have a vague idea about March, but that's to be determined. Um, a lot of it's still to be determined, but just know that behind the screens of our work, <laughs> uh, we've been talking about how to improve this and make it cooler and more interesting for you guys, because apparently this took off now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anybody who was going to be listening to this, and I completely agree, <laughs> I was not expecting any sort of listeners except for you know our devoted lovely family that we force it upon <laughs> yeah and then people cared 
when we started getting guests on. And uh, oh, oh, I think I see the correlation now. Yeah, <laughs> they only like us for our guests. Yeah, they only like us for our pining. Who <laughs> we ask? It really, it really does be like that, though. We find our like DM professional squishes. We beg them and plead them to come on, and then eventually they cave, and it's a good episode. <laughs> that that is our creative process. Yeah, pretty much just a lot of begging and bribing. Yep. Well, that's about it from us. Uh, we, yeah, I got nothing else to say. If you guys, all right, we more, should close it out. Yep, if you guys want to hear more, you know where to find us. Links will be in all the places. Bye-bye. See ya. Stay moist. of Roleplay and Adventuring Podcast is an actual play 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons podcast. We offer a variety of content including our actual play adventure episodes from our current campaign, as well as a rules primer and special episodes like one-shots and advice for players and dungeon masters. Whether you are a new player or a seasoned veteran, Knights of Roleplay offers something for anyone interested in Dungeons and Dragons. Please join us for our Spacefarers campaign, which is a mix of fantasy and science fiction. We hope our unique brand of humor and storytelling will provide you with hours of nerdy entertainment. Please visit us at knightsofroleplay.com.